Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Two Foot Attack Podcast. I'm your host, Arisama Tarkos, back again for another episode. Uh yeah, it's been it's been a hell of a week. It's been a hell of a week. Um I on a personal note, I drove off to Sydney over the weekend um, for a work event. And I've returned I returned home last night at midnight, got home and crashed almost immediately. And I got about 10 hours sleep and I'm still exhausted. It's only 3.30 and I tried to actually... I slept, woke up, had breakfast and then tried to have another nap because I'm just that exhausted. But I couldn't sleep, so I might be a little bit tired in this episode, unfortunately, but I've got no idea what's come over me. Just a long days working um, interstate and then coming home. I was just, I'm just cooked, absolutely dead. So um, we're here, we're here nonetheless. I can't skip out on an episode just because I'm tired and you guys deserve an episode because there's a lot of football that happened over the weekend. Um, But before we start, I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone has enjoyed their seven days. A lot has happened on the field, off the field, which we'll touch on. Looking into the future, looking at the present, looking at some repercussions, a lot of like interesting storylines that, that um I spoke about last episode have kind of not come true or like have not kind of maybe had developments is probably the word I should I should use. Um, some of the things that I spoke about last episode have had some developments um, throughout the week, which is quite which is quite funny. Um, most notably Trent Alexander Arnold, which um I'll touch on. Definitely, I think we might kick the episode off proper with that but I'm um, regardless hope everyone is well as always I hope your team's won over the weekend um and I hope the week has treated you all nicely of course because that's what we like to do spread positivity spread um spread positivity spread joy spread love and just overall positive positive vibes we only can only move forward so we're not going to sit here and, and dwell on anything we can only move forwards so um this is a good good nice hard reset for um for everyone I feel just like from now on, only forwards type thing. But yes, um, before we kick things off, I, hope everyone, I implore everyone, I should say, to subscribe to Two Foot Tackle Podcast on YouTube and, of course, on um, Instagram, Two Foot Tackle Podcast, TikTok and Twitter and also, um, and also, what else am I going to plug here? The audio platforms as well. Um Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. My brain's fried today, so this podcast might be a little bit more off the rails. Um, I've, I've, I've entered the delirious state of, of tiredness, despite having slept for a long time. You know, when you're just that tired, I'm going to digress, but you know, when you're just that tired, that you just are, like, are beyond the point of sleeping, it's like you're just delirious. I feel like I've been in a delirious state ever since about, I reckon, 530 Sunday night, Sunday, yes, well, Sunday afternoon. Everything's about 5.30 Sunday afternoon. I am just in this delirious state in which I, I think it's going to take me a couple of days to recover. So, anyways, this is just one of those things. Um, yeah, long weekend, very, very tiring weekend. Lots of playing journeys. Well, I say lots, two playing journeys in two days. So, um, one of those things, isn't it? And I, I, I like flying, but, like, not... I don't, I don't crave it, so I don't know. Just one of those things. But regardless, I'm digressing. Let's kick things off. I feel like this podcast is just going to turn into my internal monologue, so um, maybe that's just a little bit of a... Maybe just one of those things, right, for, for today's episode. Because I'm in just a certain level of tide, which I've got no idea how to explain. And it also doesn't help that Melbourne has decided to become really, really hot out of nowhere. Um, I say really hot. It's like it's a tick over 30 degrees, 32 degrees right now. Um which is not hot, it's actually like warm, but when you've had 17 degree weather for the last two days, 
um, it, well, like when you've had when you have when you've had seventeen degree weather and you just come back straight banked thirty one degree weather, it's pretty jarring. But I'm digressing. Let's kick things off. I'm off too much. Where do we start? Where do we start? A lot to speak about as I as I bring up the run shit here on my on my phone. Um, we'll speak on Trent definitely because that's actually a really funny kind of narrative that has happened. Um, Chelsea as well. I don't know what we did, but we did something good. Spurs and City had a very entertaining game. The Euro uh, European Championships 2004 draw has been released. And then, obviously, some A-League chat as well. Bruno Fornaroli is very good. And we had a game finish at about midnight, um, Australian Australian Eastern Standard Time. And again, that was played on the Eastern Seaboard. So we'll be touching on all of that as well. But yes, let's kick things off and let's go straight to Trent. Let's go straight to Trent. Because last week I spoke about last week I spoke about um, Trent and the whole dialogue around is he a right back? Is he any good? Can he defend? Etc. Right? And it created I wouldn't say it created controversy controversy, but it's definitely been a conversation that has happened for a long time. Right? Regarding Trent, I wasn't exactly reinventing the wheel by questioning Trent's perhaps lack of elite one on one defensive abilities. However, he is a footballer that. Um, he's a footballer that has exceptional qualities, like I mentioned the other the last week. Footballer with exceptional qualities that, when uh, w- when he's able to take advantage of those and when he's able to exploit those, he's one of the best footballers his age in the world. And when he steps over a dead ball in the with in the first twelve minutes of a game at Anfield against Fulham overnight and whacks at top corner, you kind of like. Okay, that's what I'll. That's kind of an ex- a very very clear example of his ability to just do like that, right? It's actually got. It's actually gone down as a as a Leno own goal, but like fuck, man, it would like come on. Um, it, yeah, it's gone down as a Leno own goal, but. It hit the bar and came off Leno's back. I'm giving Trent the credit for that because that is a, a stupidly good free kick, and I need to actually watch it back, to, watch it back properly to see how it actually unfolded properly. But regardless, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't execute that free kick if you're a mug, right? In the same vein, you don't, you don't score the winner in the way that he did if you're, if you're a mug, right? You don't take a touch on the half volley, take another touch, and then whack it across your body near post, bottom corner with full power. You don't do that if you're shit at football, right? So. And obviously, should the shush, shush celebration returned, it it's one of those things, right? Where what there's always going to be a constant narrative shift with Trent. There's always going to be a constant narrative shift, and how that develops, we'll just have to wait and see, because he could come out. I mean, what are Liverpool's next fixtures? Because, um, yeah, let's look at Liverpool's let's look at Liverpool's fixtures. So they've got Sheffield United, Palace. United and Arsenal in the league, and in in between those games, I've got a Europa League game and an AFL Cup game. When you look at the opponents, Sheffield United, do they have many great dribblers? Probably not. Palace spoke about last week. They've got Elise and Eze, who, if given the chance, um, if given the chance, will tear Trent a fucking new one. Um, Eze's actually injured, so there you go. He probably I don't know if he'll be back for that. Um, I don't think he will. I think they think the I think they projected like mid December. So I don't know if he'll be back, but Elise will be playing, assuming nothing untoward happens. And Elise is a very good dribbler, so that'll be interesting. United, obviously, that they have a pretty good kind of 
a pretty good array of, of dribblers. Garnacho can, can, can do a bit. Rashford can do a bit. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Mason Mount can do a bit. Um, I think Mount's actually injured. Yeah, he is. So I don't know whether or not he'll be back. Is a different story. So um, they've got a nice array of dribblers. Uh, Ars- they've got Arsenal after that. Once again, a, a stupendous array of dribblers. Martinelli and Martinelli and Saka and Odegaard and even Gabriel Jesus can can twist inside out as well. And then they've got Burnley, which is probably backed out to reality in that regard. So yeah, unless Jay Rodriguez decides to have a game of his life. But the constant narrative shift. The point I was getting at. The constant narrative shift. Will there'll constantly be a narrative shift, and it will constantly change, and it will constantly develop, and it will constantly be kind of it will constantly be not not move the not the goalpost being moved, but realistically, the only reason why this conversation around Trent started was because when Liverpool were doing poorly, right? When Liverpool were challenging City for the top for the uh, at the top of the Premier League and were winning Champions Leagues and making Champions League finals, this conversation around Trent not being able to defend wasn't really a thing, right? Maybe that's because they didn't need to defend as much. Maybe because the chances that opposition opposition teams did get, Van Dijk was there, Henderson was there, Fabinho was there, right? And and the defensive structure as a whole was very solid in comparison to what it was in the in this period of time where they weren't as good, right? So maybe there's that. Maybe that's the reason. But if Liverpool do decide, if Liverpool do go on a run, maybe this is this kickstarts a little bit of a resurgence. So what's second or third in the league right now? I think Arsenal currently sit top. Yeah, Arsenal sit top. They're two points clear of, of Liverpool in in first. Liverpool second, City a third, and Villa are only one point behind City, which is actually pretty pretty mad. Um, yeah, it it will be a very kind of. <clears throat> It will be an interesting narrative shift. It will be an interesting shift in the narrative to see what happens if Liverpool decide to go on a run. If Liverpool drop off, what happens, right? Because they are they haven't lost in the league since they lost to Spurs in October, right? And that that is actually their only loss in the league. They haven't lost in all comps um, since they lost to Toulouse in the Champions League in this at the start of November. So they haven't lost in a month. They've dropped points only twice in the last. They've, they've dropped points twice otherwise in the last two months. And they've got a relatively healthy run of fixtures coming up. So I think Liverpool's performance will dictate the narrative surrounding Trent. And I mean, yeah, just a really kind of interesting, really interesting talking point, I feel. Yeah, so I guess I guess we'll, we'll probably touch on this next week and maybe the week after to see what happens. Like if they verse Palace and Elise skins him and whacks the top corner, I'm going to be sitting here again saying, oh, Trent can't defend. But then again, in the same vein, if he steps up in a, and whacks in a free kick from 30 yards against Sheffield United and scores the winner like he did on the weekend, or like he did overnight, I'm going to sit here and say Trent's the best player in the world. So I don't know. The, fickle, the very fickle nature of football in general. I was going to say football fans, but it's a weekly thing, right? It's a weekly thing where narratives change. I mean... Look at the narrative around Spurs. Look at the narrative around like Newcastle. Look at the narrative around United. How that's changed. How that changes week by week, day by day, month by month, year by year. Right. So, yeah, interesting. Very interesting. But yes, otherwise, that game was insane. All three of all four of Liverpool goal, all, all four of Liverpool's goals were fucking cracked. Like that McAllister goal is like. Fucking what? Like that McAllister goal is goal of the year so far, I think. Like 
that like I just don't get it. Like he's he's like that 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 is unreal. Like that that is that goal is fucked. Like that goal is f- fucking insane, right? And I spoke about last week about Garnacho's goal, and I expressed my thoughts on that. I had a more shocked reaction with McAllister's goal than I did with Garnacho's. I think McAllister's is probably a little bit better, in all honesty. It, that is just fucked. Like, he's he's so far out, and the curve, the spin, the power, the placement, no keeper in the world saves that. It's just unreal. Like, so good. So good. I think that's goal of the season. Definitely goal of the season so far. And yes, the best guy, Nacho's. And yes, it's better than Garnacho's, in my opinion, right? And my opinion is not fact, so fucking don't get too offended. But yeah, I don't know. There was just something about it. That had a, it had a little bit more je ne sais quoi. It had a little bit more of just that wow factor, I feel. Whereas, we don't because you don't see long-range pings like that anymore. Like, you don't... See, like, I, was, I, I actually was going through a thread. I was going through a Twitter thread. I was reading through a Twitter thread. And it was the... the <clears throat> I can't remember who I can't remember who posted it, but essentially what it was was that goal of the month highlights, um, that goal of the month highlights of that December in 06 or something. It might have been actually around the time Chelsea were in this top, funnily enough. But it was that goal with like the SEN goal and the um, like the SEN goal and some other belters, right? But it was it was that very like mid two thousands goal of the month nominees. I think it was December 06. Um, and I saw this straight about, like, you don't see those goals anymore. You don't see just players belting the ball because teams don't do that. Any- teams don't play like that anymore. Teams don't take risks anymore. Teams are far more likely to just pass, 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 go out wide and try to cut back, go out wide, cut back, go, go out wide, cut back. Because realistically, they're high percentage chances, right? They're far higher percentage chances than trying to whack it from 35 yards and hoping for the best. Players don't really train for that that much now. Like I think we're getting into it. We're getting into a um. We're getting into an era of football where it's like very much players are built for systems rather than being built to be individuals. So players are being built to fit in certain systems, and players are being built to fit certain kind of. I was gonna say outlines of players, or um, players are being built to fit certain kind of, I was going to say vacancies, but like, I don't know how to describe, but it's like, it's almost like there's 10 profiles of footballers and every aspiring footballer is being built to fit into one of those 10 profiles. So you're like, you're a quick striker or like you're, you're, you're a inside forward, he likes cutting, you're a box, box, box midfielder, you're an attacking number 10. And basically all, a lot of footballers play in very similar ways. Um, whereas back in like the day, back in the day, as I say, as a 19-year-old, um, it, it was far more individual. So you'd have players just fucking whacking the ball from 30 yards and just doing whatever they want because at the end of the day, it's football, right? It's not fucking life and death. So, and also the way that teams play football these days is very much more structured and much more kind of regimented. So players don't have licenses to just whack the ball from 35 yards anymore. So when you do see goals like McAllister's, it's like, Jesus... Just taking a touch and just go on fucking bunta. I didn't even take a touch. I don't think he did take a touch. Just on the half volley, fucking bunta from 40 yards. Have that. Insane. Like, in such an insane goal. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Slight tangent there. But, um, yeah, just fuck, 
We need to see more of that, man. We need to see more of that. Just fucking go. Just got like I don't know how to describe it. It's just kind of like on FIFA where you just kind of power shot it and just go bang. Fuck yeah, that was really good goal. I was just always thrown the other day. Why don't we see football football played in the snow anymore? Oh, we do, but like, fuck, I, I need the snow. I need the snow. I need the orange balls. I need just the, the chaos of snow, of playing football in the snow. Um, <clears throat> I think I was, yeah, I don't know where I saw that. I was on Twitter again, probably. But um, yeah, just one of those things about McAllister's goal, which just gave me, it was like, oh yeah, fuck, that's, that's good. And even Endo's goal, even Endo's goal was, was very good, just perfectly placed top corner. You know, when you, it's like it's like those chip shots. Not chip shots, but like little dinks where they just like caress it top corner. No real, no oomph behind it. Just a nice little caress in the top corner, which is always good. Um, which is always good. So yeah, congratulations to Liverpool. They were they were good. Liverpool were good, and the goals they scored were even better. So four um, three. Jesus, conceding three at home to Fulham. I know they had twenty six shots to nine, but come on, can't be doing that. Anyways, let's move on. Let's speak about Chelsea. Let's speak about Chelsea. I just don't know. I just don't know. Because one week, we we go toe-to-toe with City. And we're, we're going punch for punch with arguably the best football team in the world. Um, th- then the next week, we get destroyed by Newcastle. Like, embarrassed. And then the week after, we're, we're winning. Not comfortably, but we're winning quite um, comprehensively and attractively against... Brighton, who aren't as good as what they once were, I say once were, not as good as what a lot of people still think that they are, in a sense, but are still very good at football. Like, the Brighton are a very good football team, and we won, not comfortably, but, like, we took our chance, like, we took our chance as well, we were clinical, we did what we had to do, right? We didn't really dominate possession, but we had enough chances, and we capitalised from the chances that we got. It was... Yeah, fuck, man. Like, I don't... Just some consistency would be awesome. Like, just... I, I would like to watch a game... I would like to watch a game that Chelsea play and just be... And just know what I'm watching and know what I'm about to watch. Because I feel like Liverpool always know, okay, they're going to get... They're going to put in X, Y, Z. Arsenal, to a certain extent, always know they're going to put in X, Y, Z. Spurs, especially. No, okay. This is exactly what we're going to do. I can tell you how we're going to play. This is what's going to happen. Maybe it's because we're at the start of the era. Maybe it's because we're a little bit young and inconsistent and, and a bit naive. Like the team we played is like the team we played is very young. Like the Sarsi's what twenty? Oh, the Sarsi's twenty five rather. But even Buddy Shield was twenty two. Buddy Shield was twenty two. Colwell was twenty. Enzo's still quite young. He's what twenty two. Caicedo's young ish. He's twenty two. Gallagher Gallagher's probably a little bit more of a senior figure in the squad now. Um, Jackson's twenty two. Mudrick is is quite young. He's like twenty three. I think he's twenty two. So even the players we brought on, we brought on Brozier, who's young, Maston, and Palmer, who are all quite young, right? So we uh, like we're there, kind of not really, almost figuring it out. I think that's what we are. We're figuring it out, and there's going to be hiccups along the way. But it's just so frustrating when. We can turn up, like, who have we got next? I think we've got, like, a relatively easy-ish kind of run. Um, relatively-ish easy, yeah. So we've got United away, which is just going to be a fucking... That game is going to be the funniest game of football ever because both teams suck quite a lot. Um, then we've got Everton, Everton and Sheffield United and the Wolves. So 
a relatively easy-ish run. I know Wolves are, are, are doing okay, but like, surely we can finally start to like just get it together because. I was going to say, yeah, we're early on in the potch cycle, but Andrew's fucking er- so early on at Spurs, and they've got their shit sorted. Like, I know they've, I know they've like, dipped recently, but at least you know what they're going to get. At least, you, at least Spurs fans know what they're going to get. At least Spurs fans rock up to every game and be like, okay, we are going to do X, Y, Z, and it's going to be very good. Or it's going to at least be consistent, I should say. Whereas we just have no idea. We just have not a fucking, not a fucking Scooby-Doo. So, anyways. Um, I mean, two goals from corners and one from a set pace. Well, basically all three goals from set paces. Um, the second one was like from a second ball. The first one, or yeah, the first one was from like a second ball. Cole's goal um, was directly from the corner, basically. Um, and the pen, how it wasn't given a pen in the first place is just a joke. Because Milner just completely wipes him out. And just push, not wipes him out, but just really like pushes him over. Push, like with the forearm. It wasn't really body to body. It was, it was, there was a shove. So happy with the pen there. And then, yeah, the fact, yeah, the two goals we conceded were, like, Buenonete's goal was good. Like, you, you don't really stop those. Um, probably shouldn't allow him to cut his side on his left foot, but, anyway, you live and you learn. Um, and he's a good football as well, Buenonete. So, um, yeah, you've got to give him credit for that. And then Pedro's, Pedro's, um, Jao Pedro's goal as well was very frustrating to concede. Very frustrating to concede because he's got to stop set paces, man. That's, like, one of my massive pet, uh, pet peeves about football is containing from set paces because it's like like the conversion rate from corners is abysmal right so like the conversion rate generally from corners is not good at all it's like it's like something like four percent of corners are scored or something like that under like i think four percent of corners were scored last season or something that's four corners out of a hundred right something like that it's actually probably under right um so you don't really concede from corners and to concede from a corner, like near post, flick on, like, fuck, come on. You have to be switched on. So that's one of my massive pet hates about football. Um, that's, that could be a good segment, pet hates about football. Conceding from corners is a, is a massive pet hate of mine. Um, I also massively like... What other, what other pet hates do I have? This is a tangent. Um, yeah, conceding from corners... I, I dislike short... I don't like short corners. It's I, I don't have a lot of corner pet hates. Okay. Short corners I can live with if they're done properly. Not beating the first man from a corner, it should be a twenty-five. Should be like a twenty percent fine for wages. Like if you're a professional footballer and can't beat the first man, come on! Like Jesus Christ, I hate that. Um, I hate, I hate um, outfield players taking goal kicks. Can the keeper knock? Unless the keeper's injured, but can the keeper not kick the ball? Like pass it. Like it's not hard. That annoys me. It's you see it less now because teams played out from the back, so a goalkeeper can literally just pass the two yards to one side. But when keepers used to hoof the ball off the pitch more 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 often, um, I, I liked, um, I, I like, I really dislike, and it's a massive pet peeve when alpha players take goal kicks. Um, when foul throws as well, he just sucks. Like how are you foul throwing it? You're a professional footballer. That that gives me the shits a lot. Um, yeah, just those. I reckon those for now. If I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I definitely have more. But um, yeah. There's there, I don't know. There's that. Um, they're just my pet peeves about 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 football. I'm overexposed here on the lighting. That's not good. Can I be back? I'm a little bit sunburnt. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's being picked up on the camera. Um, 
I yeah, spending a whole day, spending spending what six thirty a.m. till about two p.m. on a beach, um, working as well and not being in a lot of shade, does does give you a little bit of maybe I'm just still maybe I'm still sunstroke, no sun yes still sunstroke yeah that's it I'm not yeah anyways. Um, yeah, so a little bit burnt on the face, on the back of the neck as well. Not good, not good at all. But I'm digressing again. Um, let's move on. As I, that was what the fuck was that? Um, let's speak about Spurs. Let's speak about Spurs City. Let's speak about Spurs City. Um, what a game! What a what a weird, weird, weird game. I've, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. Spurs are. Oh, it's okay. City are one hundred percent justified in being utterly utterly aggrieved by that decision like that was fucking appalling like shocking so bad that 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 decision at the end is one of the worst i've ever seen because it's not it wasn't a split second decision so when 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 referees give handballs or when they give fouls you can kind of understand it to a certain extent because they could like wrong position players could have blocked players could have blocked their view, like, wrong position, wrong place, kind of, you can at least justify that. The referee understood that a foul had taken place, realised Haaland still had the ball, paid advantage, rightly so, and then saw Haaland play the best pass he will ever play in his career. Let's get that straight. That's the best pass he'll ever play in his career. And Jack Willis is one-on-one, and the referee goes like, oh, no, that's not an advantage. Like, because of the far more obvious nature of the fact that the referee knew exactly what was going on in that situation, there's no excuses. And City, were they robbed of three points? Would Grealish have scored that that one-on-one? You'd back him, right? You wouldn't put your house on it, but you'd back him. But yeah, Spurs got away with one big time. Like, big time. That's one of the worst mistakes I've seen all year. Like, And we've seen a lot. That is one of the worst referee mistakes I have seen all year and arguably ever. That's abysmal. Like that that is just yeah, just just not good at all, right? Um but yeah, so Spurs, so Spurs are Spurs can count count themselves a little bit lucky, I think. Um but in the same vein, you gotta respect Spurs for fucking going at it, right? And and like this is what I'm like what other what other manager in world football would play out would play out from the back, would play with a high line against Manchester City away from home with Ben Davies and Emerson Royale at centre-back. Like, you don't make managers like Ange anymore. Like, he... Just different, different breed, right? Different breed, because he doesn't give a fuck. Does not care. He does, he's not trying to prove a point. He's not trying to spite anyone. He's not playing this tactic and this system for any other reason other than he thinks... This is the best way for his team to win. You have to respect it. You have to respect it. He's so commendable. Because 99% of managers in world football have just sat back, low block, use Sun and Kulosevsky on the counter and hope for the best. But no, fuck that. We're going to play out from the back with, with La Salso and, and Emerson Royale and Ben Davies and fucking these guys sitting and like just... Unreal and Hoiberg sitting in midfield who can't pass a ball more than fifteen yards, like just unreal, just so so respectable, so commendable, and that's why we love him. That's why everyone loves Ange. You can't not love Ange. He's just a fucking theodore. 
right? Um, which is a Greek word there, so for all the Greeks, you don't understand what that meant. But, um, yeah, you've got to respect the edge for that. Um, yeah, they got, a, they got out of dodge with the last decision. I think City's ability to have Jamie Docu and Phil Foden be on the same pitch at the same time is filthy. Not allowed. I, don't, I just think that should not be allowed. Like, like, re, like, just not, just not, just not fair for everyone else in the in the league. Like, I know they didn't even win, but um, they still dominated. Like, the stats are pretty pretty funny to look at. Seventeen shots to eight. Uh, fifty. It was fifty five percent possession. But I mean, Foden, Doku, Bernardo Silva in the same team. Like that. Like. That they could they could dribble past a whole team by themselves, <laughs> like they're that's insane. And then I mean having Alvarez and Haaland on the same pitch at the same time as well is pretty cracked. Having the having the luxury of bringing on Matteo Kovacic, who is another fantastic carrier of the ball as well, and even Grealish. I mean, how good is he at dribbling? Like, not fair, man. Just not fair. Like, uh, the, this team would be so good under Klopp. I feel I don't know why I feel that, but. Pep is a very stringent kind of, very structured manager. So when you have fluid players like Foden and Doku and Bernardo Silva who like to use their flair, dribble past a man, drop the shoulder, and just be very exuberant and fluid and show their flair and be be this kind of outgoing player and this um, extroverted footballer, playing a Pep system which is very structured and almost robotic, doesn't really get the best out of them. Whereas a Klopp system, which is like, just as long as you get the ball in the final third, do whatever the fuck you want with it. Just go for your life. I feel like that would be really fun. That would be really fun. But then again, I mean, City have won four of the last five leagues. So what do I know about football, realistically? Like, fuck. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, I guess it's one of those things where it's like, would it actually be that good? Because are they are like those players aren't just, like Doku's quick. Doku's quick, but Ana Silva's not quick at all. Um, Foden is Foden's average. Like he's not lightning quick, but he's not slow. He's got not bad pace. Kovacic isn't quick. Um, Grealish isn't quick. So Alvarez is Alvarez is pretty quick. Haaland's obviously very very. Haaland's very uh, powerful. I wouldn't say he's quick. Like I wouldn't say he's lightning fast um especially like off the mark he does like need a little bit of time to really fully explode um but he's just very powerful and a beast so yeah but yeah there's that for for harland oh that, that that's just the that's just the kind of that's just harland when it comes to his pace um yeah city just cracked so good so good and they still couldn't win so how good's Ange, right that that's the moral of the story city have City have a basically fully fit team. I mean, who, who what are their injuries? What are their injuries looking like? According to Fot Mob, they've got no injuries in the fence. They've got De Bruyne injured, and that's it. So they've got okay. Granted, they've got their best player injured, but Spurs have like a nine of their best players injured. So, um, I mean, how? Yeah, I just yeah, like a, a lot to be commend, a lot to commend about um, Ange, and also a lot to to. Look out for Man City. But anyways, um, let's speak on the Euros draw. On the European Championship draw, um, 
Good to see that the sex noises were back. Um, and David Silva could not stop pissing himself laughing, which I think is fucking hilarious. Just, it's like a pest. Like, the guy who did it is a pest, right? Grade A, like, serial pest. But it's funny because it's harmless. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's really harmless. Which also, which kind of makes it funny, in a sense. So, because it's just a little bit of fun and games, I think we can laugh at it. But it's still it's still being a pest. But regardless, the draw's out. Let's go through the groups. Um, let's go through the groups quickly, as I struggle to spell Euro. Um, okay, here we go. So, there's six groups. Yeah, six groups. Group A. Germany, the hosts. Hungary, Scotland, Switzerland. B, Albania, Croatia, Italy, Spain. C, Denmark, Serbia, Slovenia. And England, Group D, or as Group C. Group D is Austria, France, Netherlands, and the winner of Playoff A, which is one of Poland, Estonia, Wales, or Finland. Um, group E is Belgium, Romania, Slovakia, and the winner of Playoff B, which is uh, Bosnia, Ukraine, Israel, or Iceland, I think. And then the final group is... Um, yeah, the final group is Group F, Czech Republic, Portugal, Turkey, and the winner of Playoff C, which is Greece, Kazakhstan, is uh, Georgia, or Luxembourg. So, obviously, six of the eight, um, six of the, was it, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. So, four of the six, um, four of the six third place teams go through. I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, four of the six third place teams go through. So, if you yeah, so there's gonna be a lot. So there's gonna be more teams go through than than not, right? Yeah, more teams go through than not, which is um interesting. Yeah, more teams go through than not, which is interesting. So yeah, let's give a bit of predictions. Obviously, being hosted in Germany, which should be good, and I was looking at tickets today, so maybe the TFT pod can go on on tour in um in June of next year. So the group stage: Germany, Scotland, Hungary, Switzerland. I think Germany go through. Germany and Germany and Switzerland go through. Scotland will finish third, and I'll come back to I think which teams I think will go through. Um, in third, Group B I think will be Spain and Italy, and Croatia finish third. Um, Group C England and Denmark, Serbia finish third. Group D or oh, those Group C Group D will be Netherlands and France, top two and. Netherlands and France top two, and I think Wales will qualify and then finish third. Um, group E will be Belgium will finish top because I think their younger core is slightly underrated. Belgium will finish first, and I think I've got no idea. I've got no idea. <laughs> I've literally got not a fucking clue. Um, Slovakia, sure. And then whoever finishes third won't go through anyway, so it doesn't matter. And um, Group F, Portugal and Greece. Greece will qualify, finish second. I really, really want that to happen. Um, and then Czech Republic will finish third, I think. So from the third place teams, I think Switzerland, I think Scotland will go through. I think Croatia will go through. I think Serbia will go through. And then I think Czech Republic will go through. 
they're the four teams, four, four second place teams. Not that any of that matters. Not that I'll remember that um, when I actually do my proper predictions. And the, my proper predictions won't be like that anyway. So um, just a brief kind of overview. Um, if I was to give it overall, like early, early predictions for who I think will win it. I've been on England for the last th- for the last two tournaments. I thought they'd win the... Uh, um, oh yeah, I've been on England for the last two tournaments. I thought they'd win the uh, the Euros in 2021. I thought they'd win the World Cup last year. Third time's the charm. I genuinely think England will win it. I think they are built for this tournament. Like 99% of their players are in their prime. Kane's in his prime. Bellingham, despite not being in his prime, he's still absolutely world-class. One of the best footballers in the world right now. We've got Foden, Saka, Declan Rice, John Stones... All their players are finally developed, like fully developed, have been ingrained in this England team for a long time, and they're finally playing more expansive football. It's not a five-at-the-back system anymore. They've gone back to basically a permanent 4-2-3-1. Yeah, Bellingham is that is that layer of difference which I didn't have last time in the other in the previous Euros. I think it's that time. Genuinely think it's that time. And um they have to do it now. They have to do it now because Despite their squad still being quite young, who's going to replace Harry Kane when he when he eventually retires? Because he's their centerpiece. So I think they if they're ever going to win a tournament, it's going to be with Kane because you can have the best players in the world. If you don't have an elite number nine who can put the ball in the back of the net, history says you probably don't win major tournaments unless you're Spain, and I don't think England or Spain. So there's, it's that right. Yeah, I think it's England's time. I think I definitely, definitely think it's England's time, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be one hell of a major tournament, one hell of a major tournament because a lot of, yeah, I don't know. There's, I think, I think, I think it's gonna be good because Germany, obviously Germany, very, very, very rich footballing footballing country. Stadiums will be good. The atmosphere will be great, and um, there's a lot of, a lot of different kind of, rival rivalries, but I mean. If, if Greece qualify, they're in the group with Turkey, which will be chaos for those who are, who know your your um your kind of geopolitical history. You would understand the the consequences behind that fixture and stuff. So, um, there's there's gonna be narratives, there's gonna be storylines. Can um can Italy go? Can Italy go back to back in the Euros after scraping through qualification? Can England finally break the dark, etc., etc. So. Can't wait. Going to be a good tournament, and we'll do a much more comprehensive preview. Um, probably we'll we'll touch on it again after the um, qualification, after the playoffs, and then we'll touch on it before the tournament actually starts. All assuming that I'm, I'm there. If I am there, I don't know if I'll be doing the pod. If I'm not there, I'll probably do the pod. But I think I'll be there. So I don't know. I'll fix something out for that. But regardless, okay. I'm going to take a quick break, and when I return, I'll be touching on some Australian football. So be BRB, as I would say if this was fucking 2010. Jesus Christ. All right, I've returned. Um, that was like five minutes real time. Absolutely zero seconds in in this podcast time because of pause the recording. But anyway, you guys know how it works by now. Let's speak on some Australian football, shall we? Because for, also for some reason, I don't know why MacArthur are playing tonight, uh, as in Monday night. I, is, that, is that being postponed for some reason? Is there a public holiday in New South Wales on Tuesday? I've got no idea, but genuinely three people are going to turn up to that game, and it's going to be horrifying. But anyway, besides the point. Um, let's speak on... I want to Look, I, I know I speak about victory quite a lot because I'm a victory supporter, and they're the games that I watch far more intensely. Um, and obviously, I try to catch up with as much football as possible. But um, can we speak about Bruno Fornaroli's goal? Like, 
just just briefly, right? Because I just don't know. Like, I just don't get it. Like, it's one of the best goals I've ever seen. Like, genuinely, genuinely one of the best goals I have ever seen. Ever. Like, it is unbelievable. Unbelievable. One of the best goals I have ever seen. No no shadow of a doubt. Like, it's not even close. The touch to get it away from the defender on his back, the nutmeg turn to get past the other defender, the touch to get past the other defender that's coming in, and to just whack it from about 35 yards to get the perfect spin, the perfect bend right in the top corner. It is out of this world good. One of the best goals in A-League history, in my opinion. And is it up for Pushcast nomination? I don't know. It's quite... I don't know when the nominations start for, for the next award, but right now, I like, Jesus Christ... It is unreal. So good. So, like, that is the type of goal that I think shows the best level of talent. Because you look at Garnacho's goal, for example, where he just goes up and just hits it. McAllister's goal. McAllister's goal, where he just goes and hits it. Whereas this one actually took a lot of thought, a lot of mental energy, and a lot of, like technical brilliance to hold the ball up, get past the man, take a touch to get past another man, and then to hit it perfectly. It's not like he just whacked it and hoped for the best. This He meant every single part of this, and he knew exactly what he was going to do. Just uh, like out of this world good. One of the best goals. One of the best goals in A-League history. And does he... I think the question has been turned to because of this and because of his start to the season, seven, seven goals in six games. Um... Yeah, seven goals in six, in six games. Um, the question is now turned to, does he go to the Asian Cup? Uh, I don't know, right? I don't know. On form, on form, he's the best Australian striker, right? However, he's 36 years old. He is a socceroo, but he's also Uruguayan. What? How how we tra- I think the question has to be asked: How are we treating this upcoming Asian Cup? Do we want to win? Is it imperative that we win this Asian Cup? If it is, you take Bruno because he is the player that will help us win this Asian Cup. If this Asian Cup, if it if it's both very important that we do as well as possible, but also we need to develop these players for the 26 World Cup and for the Asian Cups after that, then you don't take Bruno. You probably take Duke, Motore, and maybe... maybe probably you don't take Yenji. He's probably not ready. But you take players like that. You take like Irakunda and you take um, Quoll and, and these types, right? And you probably do take maybe a McLaren if you really want to or a Taggart if you really want to. But... You can't not reward form. You can't not reward form. Because he's the best Australian striker on form that we've got. So, I don't know. It's a real catch-22 situation. And uh, funnily enough, it's a catch-22 situation which I'm not too fussed about. Purely because if he doesn't go to the Asian Cup, victory are okay because he's the only one scoring goals for us at the moment. But that's not even the main reason. The main reason is because if he doesn't go, I know that we've still got Duke, who is proving to be... As he, I mean, his renaissance as a renaissance, yeah, he, his turnaround in an Australian shirt has been exceptional, right? So we've got Duke, who I know will do well, right? I, I know, I know exactly what he will do. We've got the young core coming through, so whether or not Yenji goes, whether or not Toure goes, whether or not whoever goes, we've got this young like 
core group of young strikers who one of them really needs to grab that brass ring and take it off Mitch Duke once he retires. We have enough of them, and I think one of them at least will succeed. So we'll take two... We'll take at least one of a of a younger striker who will develop, right? And who will be better for the experience. So I think that's fine. But if he does go and say Yenji doesn't go or Toure doesn't go or whoever, right? Or even Qual doesn't go, then I know that Bruno, if he plays, will do well because he's been playing very well this season. He knows how to score goals. And he can offer a lot with link-up play and dropping day, playing even as a number 10, top of a diamond or whatever, right? So... I think it's a catch-22 situation which I'm not overly fussed about. That's my opinion on it. Um, I guess let me know what you guys think in the comments below because it's still a ways away. You could drop off for... I say a ways away, it's a month away. He could drop off and then not play not play well for the next two, three weeks and then he's not even in conversation and someone like a Yenji could start scoring bags of goals. Whatever, right? So, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I have to wait and see and I'm sure this isn't going to be the last time we speak about this topic yet either. So... Um, if I had a gun to my head right now, if I had to pick the Asian Cup squad right now, gun to my head, I would take him. I would take him. Because I think we need to win this Asian Cup. I think we need to win this Asian Cup because um, I think we're in a very, very good spot to win it. And I think if we win this Asian Cup, that's going to put us in fantastic stead for the 2026 World Cup, I think, as well. Because the funding and the, the notoriety and everything about winning a major tournament will help your federation in the process just by proxy type thing. So yeah, there we go. Um, the other big thing that happened over the weekend, and yeah, I'm going to touch on this briefly, is the abandoned or the postponement of the Sydney FC versus Perth Glory game. Perth, yeah, Perth Glory game. Um, I was actually, like I said, I was in Sydney for this for, over the weekend. So I experienced the storm. Luckily, I was out for dinner undercover. But um, the storm was fucked. Like for those who weren't in Sydney, they, they, weren't, they weren't playing it up. It was insane. Like it was... I wasn't that far from from Stadium Australia either, so it was it was insane. Stadium Australia, Alliance, Alliance Stadium, whatever. Um, it it was it was insane, right? It was really like yeah, proper proper fact, right? Proper torrential, right? Thunder, lightning, the whole works. So they weren't playing it up. I think it was delayed for an hour and a half. You can't delay football games by an hour and a half. It is. I would go as far as to say it's unsafe. For, for the footballers to delay a game by an hour and a half because you have to do a whole new warm-up, not even just like a small little warm-up like players do when they come out for half-time. You literally have to do a whole new warm-up as if you're playing another game, right? You're playing, you're returning to a ground that is completely unsafe because it was just been torrential raining for the last hour and a half. The ground hasn't been able to set. The, the draining system hasn't been able to be working properly because of how quickly the game would have been restarted after the rain had stopped. It's completely unsafe, and an, and an hour and a half—that's stupidly long. I think if games are if games are abandoned for longer than forty-five minutes because of rain or thunder or whatever or heat, even, I think you should just abandon the game at, at the point it is, abandon it, and then resume it um, at at a better, more suitable date because it's unsafe for the footballers, and we are already in a position right now where. We can't really kick off games at midday or at 3 p.m. on um, during summer because the heat's too bad. How are we in a position right now where the rain's too bad and we don't know how to deal with that as well? We should have contingency plans for this because we, we are one of the few countries in the world that experience both extremes quite often because of how fucked our climate is. But yeah, that's a different story. So yeah, just one of those things. Just one of those things, right? But yeah, they're the main things I want to speak, want to, want to speak about. Speak about. Um, 
City won over the weekend. They won 2-0 over Newcastle, which was good. They had a kid score the opener. Mazzeo. Mazzeo? Mazzeo. Yeah, um, he's like a very... He's like a child. 18. So that's good for him. Get on the score sheet. Get, get his A-League tenure off to a good start. Wellington beat Western United in a very shit game by all accounts. I didn't watch that, so I'm lucky me. And um, Brisbane versus... Uh, Brisbane due to, to Wellington, to Western Sydney, to all. Um, after going 2-0 up very early on and then conceding two goals in the second half. So, yeah. Um, also... Fuck the Queensland government for um, not giving... Yeah, fuck... Just... Yeah, just fuck the Queensland government. Because for those you know, you know. Um, yeah, giving money to temporary AFL stadiums instead of a proper, fully-fledged home of football in, in the state is just really good business and doesn't show any bias at all. But anyways, that's a story for a different day. That is all for today's episode. Thank you all very much for watching another episode of the Two Foot Tackle podcast. Um, just eyeing up 50 minutes as well. So perfect length. Midweek football's back. Chelsea play United at 7.15 on Thursday, which will be hilarious. Um, but apart from that, Perth play City. Um, Central Coast play, well, play Western United. Victory play on the Sunday night against Western Sydney, which will be pretty good. But apart from that, Spurs Tottenham will be good. Um, so that's going to be an interesting game for sure. But yes, thank you all very much for watching another episode of the Two Footed Tackle podcast. As I didn't stuff up the outro this week, which is good. But yes, thank you for sticking around. If you have, make sure to subscribe, like, all the socials, all that good stuff would mean more than the world. Um, yeah, thank you very much for sticking around if you have. See you guys next week. Goodbye. Thank you.